All right, everybody. Welcome, welcome to RUF. I uh, said it at the beginning, I'll say it again. RUF is a place where you're never so bad that you're beyond the reach of God's grace, and at the same time, you're never so good that you're beyond the need of God's grace. So that means that you relate to God based on his kindness. You don't relate to God based on your good works. You don't relate to God based on your bad works. Uh, you relate to God based on the righteousness of Jesus. And when you put your faith in Jesus, you stand before God gloriously complete. You stand before God as perfectly righteous. That's the good news. That's what RUF is all about. Uh, and every semester in RUF, we do a series. Uh, this semester, we've been doing one called The Way of Wisdom, uh, which is in the book of Proverbs. And if you were here last week, we uh, started off just kind of uh, the beginning of wisdom. The beginning of wisdom. So we defined wisdom as skill in the art of what? Anyone remember? Godly living. Skill in the art of godly living. You get two wisdom stars, Audrey. Congratulations. Um, and we get this wisdom by cultivating a fear of the Lord, this, this wonder at who God is. And the way that we get that is by looking to Jesus, by looking at the cross. That's how we become wise people. And tonight we're going to be considering friendship, wisdom for friendship. Um, so the book of Proverbs is comprised of a lot of uh, short sentences that are kind of snappy with a lot of comparisons. Sometimes they'll be grouped together topically. Other times they're just kind of all over the place. And this is kind of one such uh, topic. So these Proverbs that we're looking at are taken from all sorts of different places throughout the book of Proverbs. And the way we're just going to go through it, um, I'm not going to read it at the beginning. I'm just going to read these Proverbs kind of as we work through it. So it's going to be a little different, but we've got them up on the screen. They're on your handout. If you didn't get a handout, they're around here somewhere. Yes. Who has a handout? Who's got them? Anyone? He's got the whole stack. Michael's got the stack. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Okay, so as we look at this, we're just going to see two things. We're going to see a picture of friendship and then the power for friendship. So a picture of friendship and the power for friendship. Uh, so let me pray for us and we can get started. Gracious Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for this time that we can be together here. Um, we thank you that uh, your word speaks to uh, the areas of our lives that uh, don't feel very black and white. Uh, Lord, that you speak to the gray areas, uh, that you speak to things like what it means to be a good friend. Um, and so, Lord, I pray uh, that you would meet us where we are. Some of us are feeling uh, very connected to our friends. Or others of us don't feel like we have any friends. And so, Lord, I pray um, that your word would be good news for all of us. Um, Lord, that it would comfort those who are lonely um, and that it would comfort those who are not. I, I just pray, Lord, that you would uh, bring us together in your name. Amen. All right, so let's look at these Proverbs here, and we're going to see a picture of friendship, a picture of friendship. So uh, you're going to kind of see friendship from a, a couple different angles as we go through uh, these proverbs. So it gives us kind of a picture of a true friend. And there are four qualities that I've kind of come up with here based on these proverbs uh, that are kind of a picture of a true friend. So first, first quality here is that a true friend is loyal. A true friend is loyal. Uh, we see this in the first two proverbs we have listed on there. Uh, proverbs 1717 says, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. And then 1824 says, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Uh, what's being said here? In, in both of these Proverbs, what's being said, there's kind of this comparison that's being drawn. 
this comparison between family. It talks about a brother in both of these. But then it talks about, on the other hand, a friend. So a friend loves at all times, but a brother, it says, is born for times of adversity. Um, what's being said there is essentially this, right? So if you've ever been through a really hard time, uh, there's a tendency for families to really kind of draw together in really hard times, even if they don't have that great of a relationship. Your family, a lot of times, is kind of the ones who can be, for, be there for you, like when the chips are down, like when it's a high-stakes situation. That's what family is for. But then in contrast to that, there, there is the friend, the friend who loves at all times. Uh, and 1824 says that um, there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. These Proverbs are saying to us that, that friendship, in a sense, can be a better thing than family relationships. It can be closer. Because friends are able to love you in the mundane situations. Friends are able to be there for you in the mundane situations uh, in a way that a lot of our family, not everybody's family, but a lot of our families are not able to be that for us. So friends are loyal. Uh, what, is it, what does it look like to be loyal like this? Um, I think one of my favorite pictures of this uh, comes from uh, J.R.R. Tolkien's uh, Fellowship of the Ring. At the beginning, this didn't make the movies, so this is from the book, so this is for true nerds only. Um, but if you don't know the story, Frodo, uh, you know, kind of the main character in a lot of ways, uh, he has to leave the Shire, which is where he's from, to go on this dangerous journey. And it's kind of his journey alone. And he knows it's going to be dangerous for anyone that comes with him. So he has these really good friends, Mary, Pippin, and Sam. And he wants them to come with him, but at the same time he doesn't because he knows it's going to be dangerous for them. And so they're on the way leaving the Shire, and he realizes that even though he thinks he's been private about this one quest, all of his friends know. They know, and they've decided that they're going to come with him regardless of what he says. And then Mary, one of his friends, says this to Frodo when he's kind of shocked that they knew all along. He feels a little bit like his trust has been betrayed. Mary says this to him. He says, you can trust us to stick with you through thick and thin to the bitter end. And you can trust us to keep any secret of yours closer than you keep it yourself. But you cannot trust us to let you face trouble alone and go off without a word. We are your friends. We're horribly afraid, but we are coming with you or we're following you like hounds. Isn't that beautiful? It's a beautiful picture of what it means to be a friend. It means to be loyal. That doesn't just mean to affirm every single thing that your friend does. It means to stick with your friend, even when your friend wants to go off alone. That's what a friend is. That's what it looks like to be loyal. So first we see a friend is loyal. Second, a friend is gentle. A friend is gentle. Uh, so we see uh, in 2520 there, says this, Whoever sings songs to a heavy heart is like one who takes off a garment on a cold day, and like vinegar on soda. So whoever sings songs to a heavy heart, what does it mean to sing a song to a heavy heart? Uh, think about it like this way. If you've ever been sad, and you have a friend who kind of uh, doesn't understand how to approach you in your sadness, so instead they like tell a joke because they feel awkward about the fact that you're sad. Or conversely, if you have a friend who's a little bit of kind of a, an Eeyore-ish type figure and you're happy about something, and they come to you and they just kind of bring the mood down. That's what's being talked about here with whoever sings songs to a sad heart. It's a friend or it's someone who will not weep with you when you are weeping and who will not rejoice with you when you are rejoicing. 
And what does this proverb compare it to? It says that this person, this interaction, it's like ripping off a jacket on a cold day. That's pretty vivid on a day like today. That's what we do to people when we sing songs to a heavy heart. It's like taking off their jacket on a cold day, leaving them freezing. Or it's like vinegar on soda. Uh, Listen, I'm not a scientist, but I looked this up. Vinegar is acidic. Soda is alkaline. You mix the two together, there's a reaction. And the essential properties of both are ruined. So what that's saying is that in, in singing songs to a heavy heart and not meeting your friend where they're at, what you're doing is you're ruining both of you and not meeting them where they're, at, where they're at. You're ruining both of them. So, need to be gentle. Uh, I've seen this, uh, maybe you've seen this video before. It's from a um, woman named Brene Brown. Um, she has this video uh, that has kind of gone viral, but it, it's showing the difference between sympathy and empathy. Um, so imagine someone, it kind of says, like, imagine yourself at the bottom of a pit. Uh, sympathy is when a friend comes up to you and they look over the edge of the pit and they're like, whew, that sucks, man. Really sorry you're down in that pit. Um, but stay positive. It's going to be all right. And then they just walk away. That's sympathy. But then empathy, empathy is the friend who comes along and who climbs down to the bottom of the pit and sits with you. And then when the time is appropriate, they'll say to you, hey, I've been down here before and I know the way to get out. That's what it looks like to be a gentle friend. That's what it looks like not to sing songs to a heavy heart. That's what it looks like to be gentle. Okay, so a friend is loyal. A friend is gentle. I'm really excited about this one. A friend is apocalyptic. (laughs) A friend is apocalyptic. Um, What do I mean by that? Well, let's look at 27, 5, and 6, and then 27, 17. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. And then 27, 17. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. So this is what it means to be apocalyptic. The word apocalypse, it just means revealing. It means that a friend reveals something to you about yourself. It's as if you on your own, you kind of see a two-dimensional picture of yourself, but a friend takes it to 3D. A friend helps you to get a fuller picture of yourself. And as you can see from these two Proverbs, oftentimes that won't be fun. Oftentimes that's going to mean things like rebuke, which means saying like, hey man, you can't do that. That thing that you did was wrong. And other times it's going to look like wounding your friend. But not wounding just in order to, you know, kind of maim someone. It's it's wounding in order to heal. It's wounding in such a way that you're bringing a little bit of judgment into their life right now so that they'll stop going the direction that they're going. That's what it means that the wounds of a friend are faithful. Um, and I just want to acknowledge that like, this is really hard. It's really hard to be this sort of friend. Uh, I think we live kind of in a moment where we have this idea that in order to be a friend with someone, like, all we need to do is just kind of say, like, yes, to everything you do. Like, like it's, we affirm you. That's it. You know, like, that's what a friend does. Like, you just affirm, and you just comment on every Instagram post, oh, my gosh, I love that for you, and you never, ever confront, right? We kind of have this idea that, like, if you challenge someone, you're not, you're not critiquing them. You're, like, canceling them. You're, you're challenging their whole person, not just a choice that they made. 
So it's hard for us to live in this space. So what does it look like to be apocalyptic? What does it look like to wound in a way that is helpful? Um, I had a friend in seminary who was kind of like the model apocalyptic friend in a lot of ways. Uh, His name was Trey. Um, Trey and I are still friends, which is important for you to know with this story. Um, But I remember Trey and I were meeting up one time when we were in grad school, when we were in seminary, and I was kind of just like venting all that I was feeling. Um, And so I was sharing with him that I think the expectations of people training to go into ministry are completely unrealistic. Uh, You're supposed to live in this like impoverished state, uh, work part-time, you're supposed to study all the time, and you're supposed to be able to be present with your wife and kids and stuff when you're home. I was like, this just seems impossible. Like, frankly, it's stupid that we're expected to do this much. Like, I was fuming, as you can tell from this. I was so mad. And my friend Trey, who had been my friend for a couple years and knew me, pretty calmly just looked at me, and he said, Thomas, you seem to find that story everywhere you You seem to find that story everywhere you look. You find a way to convince yourself that the things that are overwhelming you are completely unfair and impossible. And you just find a way to go to despair and anger. How do you think I felt in that moment? I wanted to punch him in the face. And I did for a a while after that, honestly. Like, it, it frustrated me. But here I am, five plus years later, and I still remember it. Why? I don't remember it because he was wrong. I remember it because he was right. Because what he was doing was revealing something to me about myself. That's what Proverbs 27, 17 means when it says that uh, iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. In this kind of apocalyptic revealing of yourself that a friend can do, it sharpens you. It changes you. It gives you an image of yourself. It helps you to understand who you actually are rather than who you've convinced yourself you are. So this is what it means to be an apocalyptic friend. And then finally, uh, a friend is vulnerable. A friend is vulnerable. Uh, We see this in 28.13. It says, Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Uh, So we've talked about a friend being kind of, you know, loyal, a friend being gentle, a friend being apocalyptic. And these are all just kind of like things that you do for your friends. But I want to submit to you that that vulnerability is, in a lot of ways, the thing that kind of ties them all together. Because it it is not you doing something for your friend so much as it is you being yourself to your friends. You being yourself to your friends. And, and what I mean by that, I don't mean you projecting who you'd like to be. It means you being who you actually are with your friends. You see, a friend here, we see this in 28.13, a friend is not one who conceals his transgressions. A friend is one who can say to you, I messed up in a huge way. A friend is one who who you can unburden yourself to. And a friend is is one who confesses to you, who tells you the things they've done. And I think this is hard for us too. Uh, We might like the idea of being vulnerable with friends, um, but I think a lot of times we mix up transparency with vulnerability. A lot of times we're transparent, but we're not vulnerable. Here's what I mean. So an example of transparency, um, it's easy to kind of share a post on social media about a struggle with mental health that you're having. 
That's transparency. You're revealing something about yourself. But it's much, much harder to call a friend when you've been in your bed for two days and you cannot get out of bed. And you just need somebody to come and sit with you. That's vulnerability. You see the difference? One costs a lot more. You see, it's easy to share something, like, just in general, to say, well, I struggle with body image. That's an easy thing to say. But it's extremely hard to say, like, I hate the way I look in this particular shirt right now. (laughs) I didn't want to leave the house because I felt like I looked terrible. That's vulnerability. Or it's easy, I think, to share, you know, well, I just struggle with a lot of things. And it's hard to share the specifics of your struggle because that's vulnerability. Or maybe if it's just like kind of this interpersonal relationship, it's easy to share that, you know, maybe I've had an issue with someone in the past. Like, oh, we've had our issues in the past. But it's really hard to share that thing that you just said five minutes ago hurt me. That embarrassed me. And I don't like it. That's vulnerability. I, uh, I feel like I've been a very fortunate person to have people who've just modeled this to me, like who've been the first person to be vulnerable in friendship, and it really has changed me over the years. Uh, one of my friends, uh, a guy named Harrison, I actually got to talk to him earlier today. Uh, we've been friends for about 10 years now, um, so we both worked for RUF after college, and then we went to the same seminary. So we knew each other for about five years before we went to seminary together. Um, and five years into our friendship, we joined this small group of guys who are really kind of trying to press in and be friends. Or we're trying to uh, sidestep the thing that guys do where we just make fun of each other and then call those people our friends. And we're like, we're going to try to have like intimate, vulnerable friendships. Um, and so we, we kind of step into this space. And not long after we did, Harrison comes into this group and he says, like, Thomas, I need to tell you something. So this is in the context of this group of guys. And he says to me, Thomas, you remind me a lot of my older brother. And I have a really hard relationship with my older brother. And he's like, I don't feel like I can be myself around you because I want you to like me so bad. Like, I want you to like me so bad, and I project all this stuff about my older brother onto you. And honestly, I'm just really scared what you're going to say to me right now. (laughs) Like, it was awkward. It was an awkward moment to hear him say that. But what did that do? Harrison was giving me himself in that moment. He was showing me who he was. And it didn't actually repulse, it didn't make me like want to move away from him. It made me want to move towards him. It led to deeper connection. This is what it means to be a vulnerable friend. Okay, so a friend is loyal, a friend is gentle, a friend is apocalyptic, and a friend is vulnerable. Um, These are all wonderful things. And uh, you've got to be wondering on some level, how can I become this sort of friend? Or how do I find this sort of friend? Uh, which leads us kind of naturally to our second point, which I think will be quicker. Uh, and this is the power for friendship. The power for friendship. So uh, to get at this, I just want to tell a story of, of two friends. Uh, one was a great friend, and one was a terrible friend. Uh, and hint, one of them is Jesus. So you'll know who it is. It's pretty apparent. Um, so it's the story of Jesus and Peter. Jesus and Peter. So if you know anything about uh, the New Testament or about the Gospels, you know that Peter uh, was kind of the most energetic and ambitious disciple of Jesus from the beginning. Um, He was the first to correctly identify who Jesus was. He says, you are the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the one that everyone's been looking for. Uh, When Jesus was betrayed, 
Peter was the one who jumped up and cut a guy's ear off. Like, Peter loved Jesus. And by any possible metric, Peter was a terrible friend to Jesus. Let's just think about all the things that we said. So loyalty. Uh, Peter was not loyal to Jesus. He denied Jesus three times the second that things started going south with Jesus. Three times. Uh, Peter was not gentle with Jesus. Uh, Jesus, the night before he was betrayed, he asked Peter and some other friends to come to him and to sit with him, to sit with him while he went off to pray. What did Peter do? He fell asleep. He wouldn't stay awake. He wasn't gentle. Uh, Peter was apocalyptic, really, in all the wrong ways. Immediately after he told Jesus, you know, you're the Messiah, you're the Christ, uh, Jesus starts talking about how well the Christ is going to go suffer and die. And Peter pulls him aside and says, you idiot. Like, can you imagine saying to the Son of God, you idiot? Peter did it. That's being apocalyptic in all the wrong ways. And he was not vulnerable. Right before Jesus is about to go to the cross, Peter boasts about how committed he is to Jesus. He says, I am never going to deny you. There's no way that's happening. The vulnerable thing to do would be for him to be honest and say, like, well, I don't really know how committed I am to you. If I'm being honest, I think I need your help. So Peter fails kind of on every measurable uh, kind of metric for what it means to be a friend. But let's think about Jesus. So Jesus, he comes to Peter after he has died and resurrected. We see this in, in John 21. I think I have a little bit of that on your handout. But so the context of this is that Peter has just failed, just miserably. He's denied Jesus he is, has been the worst friend he possibly could have been to Jesus. And how does Jesus respond to him? Well, Jesus is loyal to him. He comes back to him. He comes to him. And Jesus is gentle with him. Jesus comes to him, and he makes breakfast for him. And he sits there with him. Can you imagine what's going through Peter's head in that moment? Like the risen Jesus, who he's just rejected, is coming and making breakfast for him and sitting with him. And Jesus is apocalyptic with him. Uh, in the story, Peter had denied Jesus three times. And then in John 21, what Jesus does is he comes to Peter and he asks him three times, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? What's he doing? He's, he's showing Peter who he is. The same amount of times that Peter denied him, Jesus is asking him, do you love me? He's holding up a mirror so Peter can get a better picture of who he is. And then Jesus is, is vulnerable with him. He gives him himself. I, I think the easy thing for Jesus to do would have been to do like, ah, we, you know, we don't need to talk about that. But what does Jesus do? He presses in. He presses into this deeply uncomfortable conversation with Peter, and he still gave himself for Peter, even though all this was true. So why does Jesus do this? Uh, Jesus does this because he is the true friend. And not only just to be a friend, he ultimately restores Peter. He restores Peter to go on to be a prominent story or prominent figure in the early church. So the question we need to ask about this, why do I belabor this point? Like, so what? So what if, if Jesus was a good friend for Peter? What does that mean for me? See, this is good news for you because Jesus calls you his friend if you're in him. He calls you his friend. And how he treats Peter is how he will treat each and every one of us in our failure in friendship. Jesus will be loyal. He'll be gentle. He'll be apocalyptic. He'll be vulnerable. 
And there are many people who I know who don't know Jesus who are really good friends. There really are. But I want to submit to you that this sort of relationship with Jesus, knowing Jesus in this way, is the deepest possible well for friendship. There are plenty of people who are good friends, but I think if you're a Christian, you have more resources to be a good friend than anyone else. Because Jesus is loyal to us, we can be loyal to our friends even when it costs us. And because Jesus is, is gentle with us, we can, be, we can afford to be gentle with friends even when they disappoint us. Because Jesus was apocalyptic with us, we can risk wounding our friends in order to heal them. And because Jesus is vulnerable with us, giving himself on the cross, we can risk giving something of ourselves to our friends. Y'all, if you are in Christ, he has called you his friend. He has called you his friend, and he has given his life for you. And if that really sinks in, that will change your life, and it will change the way that you are a friend. Amen. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father,